0: All right, Ashton is here. I just sent him a co host request. Welcome everybody to the space. We'll probably let some more people roll in before we get into it. Um, but uh, while he gets in here, we'll just keep this kind of hey. let's go. Kingdom. There he is. There he is. What up, Tupac? How's it going, man? Doing good, man. Doing good. How about yourself?
1: Yeah, I just got up from a little bit of a nap, so a little bit rested, feeling pretty good, ready to talk a little bit about some MH370 in a little bit here.
0: Hell yes. Yeah, this uh, this is a very fascinating case, and I think it just continues to gain momentum. Um, it's something that I hear you talk about uh, regarding this stuff, which is kind of like the ontological shock of the whole thing. We don't really know what we're seeing here. the The case you're presenting is so intense. The evidence is so... Um, right there. It's, if it's there, then it, it's one of the most compelling evidence that I think we've, the American public has probably ever seen, if not the world. Um, and it's a it's a case that I think is interesting because a, a lot of the dates in which some of the stuff came out, uh, the age of it, and like the fact that it's slowly but surely uh, the bubble's bursting on it. So yeah, like uh, first of all, thanks for your work in this. I've seen a lot of the stuff you presented, and I just think the uh, it, it's something that we all definitely need to need to see, right? And we all should be, as ufologists and people interested in this, and even as like, I guess citizens, because you know, even you yourself, you're not saying that what this is is aliens. You're looking at technology um, and calling attention to it, and saying this if this exists here, we don't have no idea about it.
1: Yeah, that's one thing I wanted to kind of address right off the bat, you know, so I think that a lot of people have seen some of my the recent works and what have you, and they want to know, you know, what, what does this all mean, right? And the thing about it is, I'm not telling anyone what to think. And what I've kind of reported on recently, is wholly consistent with everything that I've said previously, which is that there's a lot of narratives out there for what this could be, and what could be going on here. And I'm just putting the pieces together here. So, before we even get started, I just want to say that regardless of the recent developments that we've had out there, it hasn't ruled out any particular narrative for anyone. All the narratives are still on the table, it just leans towards particular narratives or another based on the overall weight of the evidence. But again, I leave it to everyone else to decide what they personally believe.
0: All right. Well, Ashton. I'm going to summarize this up. Feel free to chime in. Correct me. if, Or if you want to, you could feel free to summarize it yourself. Um, but I figured there's a lot of stuff to go over in terms of the timeline. And I know that there's, like you said, the new developments and a lot of this stuff regarding like um, information control, I think, is really interesting as well, too. So, um, yeah, how do you feel? Do you, do you want to dive into it or do you want me to sum it up?
1: Um, let's see. Yeah, actually, if you want to sum it up a little bit, then I'll just kind of, you know, I'm curious what your perspective is, because for part of it, it's like, I know what I've written, right. But I want to know, like, how are other people interpreting what I've written and where can I fill in the gaps and stuff like that as well?
0: Absolutely. Well, again, this is going to be, you know, the points that I think are are like most important, I guess, and I feel free to correct or or fill in if you need to. But essentially, in uh, March 8, 2014, flight MH370 went down, and it disappeared it's gone no one knows where it is there's never been a debris field found there's never been any kind of wreckage found of any kind which would be unheard of um one of the reasons this is unheard of is because around the world we have uh satellites all over the place recording a lot of information now uh that's actually where we get some of this evidence in 2014 someone leaked some video is that correct,
2: Ashton?
1: Yeah. So first on the wreckage, you're absolutely right. The biggest part is that there's no debris field found for this plane. So if you watch the Netflix documentary, you know, this is the part that threw people off like Jeff Wise, Florence Duchengi, or very smart people. If you watch the Netflix documentary, you think that they're, oh, conspiracy theorists or whatever. But no, they just realize that you can't have a 777 crashing into the ocean without leaving a giant debris field, bodies, parts everywhere, one of the things I found out in the last couple of weeks was that even under a controlled landing in the ocean, a 777 would come apart. And people would say, oh, well, Sully Sullenberger landed a plane in the water. But he landed in the Hudson River, which is completely different than in the open ocean, which has huge waves on it, which is going to break this plane apart.
0: Absolutely. And uh, just to correct myself. What I meant to say is that up to this point, you know, right right after the crash, they weren't finding any debris. There's nothing. There's no trace of this airplane. It's a big mystery that year. Um, And then later that year, a video gets leaked or uploaded online, and the video is from a satellite, what appears to be a satellite, looking down uh, at an airplane, which is a seven seven seven, and it's doing a specific like turn, and along the turn, uh, these orbs show up would look like three white balls and the whiteness of these objects in the plane is determined by the type of camera this is which is i guess it's an ir camera or a type of ir camera that the satellite's using it's also using a type of stereoscopic view or stereoscopic view which has two cameras right next to each other to simulate 3d space if you watch it back uh there's a lot of you know it's clearly a screen recording this leaked video um so it's not like someone with their phone looking at a screen while the hands all shaky. Um, We've all seen those live leak videos. People are looking at security cameras on their phone and shit. That's not what's happening here. This is a clear screen recording, which Ashton, you you say lends itself to believe this is leaked. Someone screen recorded this on a computer. They knew they'd be tracked. They knew it would be it would be a big risk to do that. But the risk was taken um, and now the video's out. So the reason why I say like, you know, the debris field hadn't been found is because this this video comes out and the person, who, if let's say, let's let's just imagine you you hoax the video, you put it out, um, you know, you might assume that the plane would be found eventually, but in this case, you know, there's a lot. It's a, it's a, it's a very disputed, right? So, it's an interesting thing about the timing in which this video comes out. And you say that about, now is this true? About three weeks after this video comes out, leaks, and it doesn't really make a big splash. Uh, another video comes out that was filmed from a drone, a gray eagle drone. And it was, uh, it's filming on some type of thermal camera, thermal IR, and it is looking uh, vertical or horizontally. It's looking outward, right, to, to its right-hand side, out at, a, at the, uh, an airplane, another 777, which appears to be and looks to be synced up with the satellite video. So it's the same airplane, is what it appears to be. The drone actually flies through the, what I thought were the contrails of the, of the airplane. So it gives a lot of three-dimensional space as the airplane's making this bank the airplane that airplane, this drone is filming, um, and then the drone zooms in on the airplane. At the same moment, these orbs show up, these orb-looking objects, three of them, and they fly in a pattern around the airplane, doing literal circles around it in a triangular formation. They are in unison. They're behaving as a unit, and they're doing very specific maneuvers. Eventually, the plane, in both angles, from the satellite and from the, the Gray Eagle drone, the airplane there's a flash it looks like a type of portal or explosion but interestingly enough it only takes up one frame in both both cameras and then uh it's gone airplane's gone and that's the end of the, that's the end of it the internet lives with this yep. case for a while and then now it, it's come back up it's resurfaced Right. And so in, in its resurfacing, you're finding, a, you're looking into this, Ashton, and you're presenting a lot of information that goes into the, you know, the provenance of the, of the video itself, the videos themselves, the legitimacy of them, the accuracy of them. Um, a lot of things to kind of back up hey, is this real or is this fake? A lot of debunkers and critics of the theory have ended up kind of presenting more evidence to the, to the, to the fact that this might actually be real. Than, crit- than being critical of it now what got you interested in this case I don't I know you've been asked this question a ton of times but now you get it it's 2000 it's almost 10 years later right it's nine years later and you start to this this stuff starts to sit with you you're presenting it out what's your experience with it what gave you the gut feeling this was something real and so like so far like yeah like catch us up on where we're at now with this and why we need to care about it
1: yep so i'm gonna put the videos in what they call the pill or whatever they call that um how do i share it this one here, i think okay i think that puts it in the top for us so people can watch along as they want as well so first thing that got me interested is i've always been interested in like mysterious plane crashes and what have you partially because i'm kind of afraid of flying (laughs) Uh, But I just think it's interesting. So I I kind of followed the MH370 stuff back in 2014. And this was before I even believed that UAPs and what have you were real. Um, And that wasn't until about 2017 when I started seeing those DOD Navy leaks videos. And that's where I got really interested. Um, And I've seen lots and lots of videos since then and nothing comes close to these videos. And I actually saw one of these videos, I think it was the thermal back then. And I dismissed it too, because I wasn't ready to understand that these videos could be real. But when I saw them reemerge and realized it was two of them, then it immediately caught my interest. Um, Now, the amount of work that's gone into the community authenticating these is staggering. Uh, Most of it's happened on Reddit before the conversation kind of got shut down by that VFX debunk that I've rebunked today pretty conclusively. Um, And that's where you find a lot of the stuff that I've quoted. So... I wanna go ahead and just point out a few things on here that are pretty important. First of all, the, the satellite video that we see, the original version of it, it's a side by side. It looks like it's duplicated. It was very weird looking, kind of scrunched together. What we found out is that that's actually 3D stereoscopic video. That's two cameras looking down at, at different angles, which really helped us narrow down the satellite that was taking that video. Cause there's not a lot of satellites where there's two satellites next to each other like that. One of the only ones is actually USA 229, which is a NOS satellite pair. And that's the one we think is sending this data here to see this. Now, this is new information that I haven't reported outside of just my Twitter account. But if you notice, I wrote something about the Ares II airplane. And if you read about this airplane, one of its capabilities is it can produce live video. So we think now, and this is part of this SIGINT uh, network essentially that exists, that if you look it up SIGINT, you'll find this Lockheed Martin picture that looks like this interconnected network of assets from satellites to airplanes to drones etc so my new basis here now of what's going on is that this plane has some type of computer technology that is pulling together this asset data from the satellite potentially even from the drone somehow and it's creating this 3d battlefield map and what we're seeing on that satellite video is a very cropped version of a much larger screen that would give military Um, Battlefield awareness, and this is also one of the listed capabilities of the SIGINT system as well, is that it gives intelligence and battlefield awareness. So this also helped us determine this leaker. Who's the person that actually did this? Um, Before I do that, though, I want to quickly run down what it would take to hoax these videos. Because I think that when you go through what it would take to actually fake this, you realize that it's pretty much impossible. So, um... Basically, the first video, the satellite video, says in the description from Regicide that it was received March 12th, 2014. That's only four days after the event happened. And that's one day before the narrative came out that this plane went into the South Indian Ocean, which is very interesting. Four days? It means, yeah, four days. So unless Regicide Anon themselves is the hoaxer, they have no reason to lie about when it was received. And this source on that also says protected. On Regicide Anon's other videos, and they had other videos unrelated to this. They don't say that, they say like source, email, stuff like that. So this lends authenticity to the fact that this was given to Regicide Anon by a real you know, military person who watched this. And that potentially the reason why it wasn't uploaded until May 19th, which is about 70 days after the incident, is that they had to be convinced themselves I mean, if you can imagine if you got some footage like this, which is just unbelievable, right? You'd be like, okay, no way. It's, this can't be real, right? Like, especially if you're telling me this is MH370. So the, the belief here is that they were given this footage, didn't believe it was real. Potentially, it was even put on a website where several people didn't believe it was real. And Regicide Nine was one of the first people to get convinced by the leaker that, yes, this is real footage. You need to spread this, right? And then we saw it, and the public <laughs> didn't believe it was real. And that's where the second video came into play. So May 19th is the date where the first video was uploaded. June 5th is when the description on the second video was received by Regicide Anon. And June 13th is when the second video was uploaded by Regicide Anon. So like you mentioned, it's about three weeks after that first video was uploaded, the second one comes out, which gives us information that The first video is potentially proof, given that satellite information. There's a satellite designation for NRL 22, which we believe is a command satellite. And there's coordinates in that satellite video on the bottom. And they shift when the person moves the perspective, which changes eight times. What we're able to determine from that moving of the perspective and the satellite shifts is that this location is in the Nicobar Islands, which is essentially where they thought the plane was right off the bat and is the current existing location where they believe the plane quote unquote turned into the south indian ocean so our belief here is that the leaker didn't even have any idea about this south indian ocean turn narrative right and that's just total fiction that was created to cover up what really happened which is that these orbs are zapping this plane out of space time as we see it in the nicobar islands at 1840 utc so real quick going into what it would take then is that In order to fake this, you have to create these videos between four and 72 days, presumably four days if we believe that Regicide Anon is not the leaker. This is an original work. There is nothing on the internet to copy this from, no basis whatsoever. So a lot of people would say like, oh, well I can recreate that. Realize the person who made this had nothing to even compare it to. You'd have to know how to create realistic volumetric clouds. The clouds are perfect in this video. It's one of the hardest things to animate. You have to know how to accurately animate the cameras, how clouds at low altitudes uh, should look. In this case, what we're looking at are cumulus clouds. And what that tells us about the fact that you just mentioned about the contrails is that these are not contrails. That's actually smoke coming out of the back of the plane, which is a
0: huge clue. So you say that there might have been a fire in the in the cabin or something, right? Something's going on there where it's the smoke is coming from the plane. Was there a heat signature from the plane itself?
1: Yeah, and I dismissed this heat signature early on, but when you look at the thermal, there's a point in that thermal where you can clearly see there's a heat signature in the belly of this plane. And it's not coming from the engine behind it because you can see that these engines don't have a long heat trail coming from behind them. The heat trail is actually just really kind of cuts off right after the engine. So we see this very long heat signature in the belly, which is actually indicative of maybe not necessarily active fire, but there was a fire potentially being fought you know, in the belly and cockpit of this plane. The other thing about the smoke is that on MetaBunk, if you go check it out, they were trying to say that the contrails don't look correct. But you'll notice that somebody comes and says, yeah, they don't look like because it's not contrails, it's smoke.
0: And that's pro- and that's
1: how smoke would happen. Is that provable go with ahead, the yeah.
0: elevation of the plane as well? It, w- it was only between like what, like mm-hmm. 10 and 20,000 feet?
1: Yeah, and probably even less than that. So we have a witness who is actually in a boat, under the flight path that everybody agrees that she was there. And she put in an official report back in 2014 that she saw the plane. And she has a very detailed sighting. Her story has never changed. Kate T. I've talked to her personally in the last couple of weeks. And she's reiterated the same story to me again. And what her story is, is that she saw an orange uniform glowing plane. And this plane was circling counterclockwise around her boat. They've recreated the flight path of that. In our video, we also see it circling counterclockwise. She mentioned that it seemed like it was landing and she was afraid that it would land in the water and capsize the boat. Which again, when we look at our videos, we are now estimating that because of those cumulus clouds, Kate T's sighting said that it was estimated between 2,000 and 10,000 feet. The cumulus clouds form at roughly 5,000 feet. So this plane is consistent with Kate T's sighting in terms of elevation. Um, and it's also consistent with the turn that we see. The plane is making a left hand turn counterclockwise in our video as well. Now, unfortunately, talking with KT, she didn't see the plane disappear or the orbs. And I think it's just a matter of the worst timing possible. She was having a fight with her husband at the time. And he t- she told me this personally, he came out in the middle of the sighting and they got in a fight and she went inside the boat in the middle of the sighting and potentially missed out on the prime time action. But Her sighting is enough to corroborate the videos to be authentic. And I think that's part of the reason why the official investigators have tried to dismiss her sighting despite the fact that everybody agrees she was under the flight path and essentially had to see the plane. So real quick, running into some of these other details, you would have to know how to accurately light the volumetric clouds. Um, One of the things that we see in the Zap is that the Zap flash accurately illuminates the clouds in the foreground and the background. So not only have we shown that you have to have perfect uh, recreation of these volumetric clouds, but you have to have perfect recreation of the light flashing on them when the zap occurs as well, which really goes to show the authenticities of the videos. You'd have to know what the turn radius is of the Boeing 777 at that particular altitude while it's in descent. It's very exact. Like this plane is almost exactly pushing the limit of what it's capable of. And people have said that this looks like an emergency maneuver. And we'll get to that in a minute, too. You would have to know where the plane is, where it was at that exact time. And keep in mind, if this was leaked four days after, you'd have to know that this plane was exactly in this location in the Nicobar Islands, which wasn't really known to the public at that point. You'd have to know how to do those accurate coordinate shifts and build that into the uh, the video and the coordinate shifts in the animation in terms of them being changed. Like it's, It looks like it, it that what we're looking at here is... They have some kind of like joystick or the specialized mouse that's looking at this big battlefield map, and is looking at a point on the earth. Now,
0: I, I heard look. you explain this before, right? There's the, the interface mm-hmm. between what we're seeing, right? So I think this this helps. I mean, the screen is huge. Now there there are mm-hmm. well known um, devices like this and systems like this. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Argus system that was covered in like a documentary for like PBS or some shit, and, like the the mid 2000 like tens or something, and it was essentially like. A, an array of cameras on a drone, and the array was like 365 uh, cell phone cameras put on one whole array and aimed down. And this thing would essentially circle a city or a town and it could record everything at all times. The computer was putting squares around everything moving, you could zoom in all the way into like someone's cell phone. It was intense what this guy could do, and he had a huge interface to do it with which was like three or four huge monitors. And that's how they would definitely like run something like this, if they got satellites up there. When you look at like how the lack of detail in some of these objects, it's cause they're not zoomed in all the way. It's cause they're like looking at a small section of a much larger screen. Um, Now you talked about some thermal stuff earlier. Now I, I wanna say this too. I find this evidence very compelling, and I know there's a ton of reasons not to believe that there's three orbs circling around uh, this airplane and causing it to go through a wormhole. There's a billion reasons not to believe that. But what we're looking at and what we're talking about is the video, and on the video and how what we're seeing, I think, is really, really compelling. Uh, you have like the thermal aspect of the spheres. Now, the the Great Eagle drone it's flying kind of closer to this thing it's not it's not from the satellite it's from next to it laterally and it zooms in and you see these things circling around and not only do you see them they're leaving a trail and like you said that it's not a contrail the the trails that are leaving are cold like colder it's colder than the air around it and there's a weird element of it going in front of the spheres so the spheres are following the trail of this like vacuumous space that's colder than the air around it. It's not, they're not leaving heat trails behind them, which is what it kind of looks like. You know what I mean? It's just because this thing is moving as fast as a 777. Like this is a really interesting detail. In 2014, now I got into special effects. I'm not a master at it, but I, I went to school for it and uh, got out around 2012. And so 2014, I know what was available. Uh, looking at these things, trying to figure out how to pull that off is a whole fun would be a fun project would it be convincing and uh, would it hold up after this much scrutiny absolutely not there'd be a ton of little cheats that I, that would be visible and obvious now if you gave me four days or eight days to do it there's absolutely no way i'd pull it off and then if i had to do two in the span of like three weeks and i had to make them consistent and believable, and understand the intricacies of the drone technology of a satellite having stereoscopic lenses. I wouldn't have known that shit. I think, what did, what did Avatar come out in 2009? I wouldn't have known it. I would never have thought it. So whoever, if, if it's a hoax, whoever hoaxed it, has all this insider information, and you know decided to incorporate it in this thing, and really, really go crazy within days of this event, and happen to know where the plan was, all these details that would have been hard to know for an investigator after a year who wasn't plugged into all this stuff because it was kind of shrouded in mystery. So, Ash, I don't know if you're familiar with Red Panda Koala. Red Panda Koala is the co-host. Um, uh, welcome, Red. Thank you for co hosting We also got Old Vet in here. Now, I want to give you an opportunity, Ash, to cover all the bases you want to cover. Um, but I also want to, you know, people are going to be curious and want to talk about this stuff. But please uh, proceed and let us know when you're ready mm-hmm. for, for any kind of questions after you presented the, what you want to present.
1: Yeah, I'll go find of quick here. So I just want to address a couple of more things in terms of what it would take to make, because I think you pointed out some of them, which is, and just going back to what we kind of mentioned is how to accurately uh, create the smoke trails that we're seeing. You'd have to be able to, Create that into your visual effect. You would have to know what the thermal would look like so uh, so well that it would fool the experts. You'd have to have better visual exf- uh, effects skills than the people who created Top Gun Maverick, who we have a uh, they actually the person one of the persons who's a lead VFX artist um, mentioned on Reddit that whoever did this did a better job than they did, and they had to make some tricks in order to make that movie. You'd have to have knowledge of military classified systems or unknown to the public, the thermal and the satellite. You'd have to know that the military is using a Citrix environment. One of the big things that we proved is that the debunkers tried to show there was a frame rate difference. It turned out that frame rate difference between the satellite video, which is six frames per second, and the mouse that we see moving around that's not moving the coordinates is 24 frames per second. Proves that what we're seeing here is an overlay of the the Citrix session logged into the actual database. Um, You'd have to know what type of mouse they use for that uh, that, um, controlling the coordinate shift which I believe we showed maybe a plural view 3D um, with a uh, video with the specialized mouse that comes along with it. You'd have to know what satellites are in operation and what their payloads are. You'd have to know what the false color IR looks like in this satellite video that we see. You'd have to know how to create the 3D stereoscopic imagery. So we've taken those two side-by-side videos and uh, essentially used a, a program that you can find on the internet to put them over top of each other. And it creates a 3D video that you can put glasses on and you can see the 3D effect on it. You have to know how to animate those orbs and that, and you see in the, um, on the top screen here, that just what you're talking about with that, pulling them forward, which how would even anyone think to even make something like that, right? What we're looking at looks like a gravity engine. You'd have to know how to create the particle system for that. Um, you'd have to know what the MQ1C gray eagle looks like, which well, I don't know if that was even known to the public in 2014, what their payload is for that with the camera that's on it. This is an electro IR camera, And we believe that the thermal is added in over the top. And if you look at the video on the top of the screen, this is the version that we've had the thermal manually uh, peeled out of it to allow us to see that pulling effect more clearly. Um, And then you would have to also know not to use a 2D effect in the 3D environment. So the debunk that's out there uses some kind of old crappy 90s quality 2D effect and they're trying to claim that that's part of in our video. Well, we have a video from two different angles, which means that you would have to create a 3D environment if you were gonna hoax this. So it doesn't make any sense that you would use a 2D effect in a 3D environment, you use a 3D effect for that. Lastly, the point that you mentioned early on, which is that you'd have to know that we were gonna never find this plane, not even nine years later. Otherwise the whole quote unquote hoax would fall apart. So those are the biggest parts. And then the last thing I wanted to mention is this: the smoke. So this smoke in in this orange glow is corroborated in one of my most recent pieces with a lithium ion battery fire in the plane. And the fire exhaustion systems that are, um, suppression systems that they use, one of these for a B77 washed up on the Maldives um, about three weeks, two to three weeks after the event. And it wasn't looked into, despite the fact that there's probably a serial number on there that would have proven that is related to MH370. Now, if you look at those suppression devices, what they use is called uh, Halon or Halon, H-A-L-O-N, And in this, it uses a halogen gas called bromine. And this gas illuminates orange. And if you go look at a picture of a halogen lamp, you'll see that it looks almost identical to Kate sighting of an orange glowing plane. And what this would represent then would be a potential lithium ion battery fire that was in the cargo hold. There was 221 kilograms of lithium-ion batteries, and you go and if you look, you realize there was a bunch of incidents before 2014 where planes were destroyed for carrying these because they started in fires on board the plane. So it's not a common event, but it's not that uncommon either that it occurred. And so what would have happened here is the fire suppression devices are in, are not satisfactory to put those fires out. They can suppress them a little bit. But these runaway effects that happen because of how much energy is in these batteries becomes practically uh, impossible to stop you're supposed to put water on it so if this broke free and this gas started filling the plane it would create the effect that kt saw with this orange glowing plane not just that but the lithium ion battery fires create a dark black smoke that's the exact smoke we see in the videos and the smoke that Kate T saw when she was watching the plane as well, which essentially corroborates our videos as being
0: authentic. Would the plane have then called in? Would it have known that it was producing smoke? Like, you know, it's doing a pretty pretty intense banking maneuver. Uh, was the plane responding to that at all?
1: Yeah. So let's just do a quick, very very brief rundown of the timeline. So this plane takes off at around 16 or gets on the runway to take off at 1630 UTC. It actually takes off at 1642 UTC. And it flies for about 40, 45 minutes and it's flying from Kuala Lumpur to Beijing, going Northeast. Now the first people that aren't familiar get very confused in terms of how many events happen to this plane. The first event happens at 1721, which is about 45 minutes after this plane takes off. And it's over the South China Sea. And this is where the plane goes dark. And it's 64 seconds after the pilot or co-pilot says, good night, MH370, in a very calm voice, there's no alerts that are going off in the cockpit. So potentially, there was a fire that had already started, but it hadn't at that point triggered the alarm system. And at some point, it triggers the alarm system, and 64 seconds later, and this plane goes entirely dark. Now, there's still some mystery here, because if you read the Wire article about the fire, they claim that it shouldn't take out all the systems at the same time. And this is where I couldn't reconcile, okay, is there some type of event that happens here and there still may be and this is important because it doesn't rule out necessarily some type of encounter or jamming or something that happens here just means that there was definitely an emergency incident that there was a fire that happened here. Now this plane turns to the left and goes directly back to Penang International Airport, which is the closest safest airport to take a 777 in an emergency situation. This is very, very important because this basically shows intent of the pilot trying to get this plane to safety. Doesn't show pilot suicide. It actually doesn't even necessarily show hijacking. It could, but you're generally not gonna hijack a plane and send it right to the closest airport where you could save it, right? But if it's on fire, and especially if you have a lithium battery fire, which is gonna become uncontrollable and it's gonna make this plane not be able to last very long, that's where you need it to go. Now, keep in mind, if this happened, there was probably some communication that happened. And it may be that there was communication with this plane but it got classified due to what we see in these videos later on. Because if you mentioned that this has happened, that's a big clue that, oh, this was an emergency event. And now people like me, us here, we're going to figure out what really happened to this plane, right? You can't say, oh, it went to the South Indian ocean. If there was this fire on board, the plane is not going to last seven hours. So that's probably the reason why they would have hidden those communications. So if there was an emergency event, there would have been a response. And the U.S. government had exercises going on in the Andaman Sea with Thailand and China, uh, Thailand and the U.S. at that point. So there were assets there. So the idea is this event happens and now the U.S. responds. So the plane's flying back to Penang now. It gets to Penang at 1752. So we've gone from 1721, where it goes dark, to 1752 and it's over Penang International Airport in Langkawi. Now it doesn't land here. And this is another clue. Potentially it was either not safe to land due to the fire, maybe the landing gear was damaged and it couldn't land. But the co-pilot's cell phone pings the, the station below, which tells us that they were trying to probably establish communication or figure out some way where it could be safe. Keep in mind, 1752 is almost two in the morning. The airport's shut down. And this is not like a big airport you might have in the United States. You know? Malaysia is a third world country. So you need a response team probably. So whatever happens, this plane keeps going and it starts flying to our location in the Nicobar Islands. So from 1752 to 1840, it flies over to our location. Now I want to point this out as well is that all the official reports in the day that next day said they lose contact at 1840 UTC. This was changed later on to claim that they lost contact at 1822 UTC, which tells us that they were trying to throw us off the scent. So what really happened is they lost contact at 1840. They were very, Malaysia was very sketchy about giving the radar data to the public and they waited weeks to do it, which also goes to show us that they were trying to hide something. So they claim that, oh, we lost radar contact at 1822. No, not necessarily. They got to where KT saw this plane at 1840 and then we see our videos happen here. Now again, KT thought it was landing. We can see in the videos it's descending and it looks like it's making an emergency maneuver like it would be landing in the ocean. The problem is, as we mentioned, if you try to land this plane in the ocean, it's gonna break apart. So now, what can we conclude? That there may have been some type of benevolent event that happens here. Previously, we might have thought, okay, it's a benevolent event, they're trying to steal these people, they're trying to destroy this plane, whatever. But now the circumstances make it seem like they're trying to save these people, right? For whatever reason. And the motivations could still be the same, right? Could still be, okay, we're trying to save them because there's VIPs, there's high value cargo, you know, high value people on the plane, whatever it may be, right? Or it may just be if it's, a, you know, if those are non-human intelligence, they could be for whatever reason, non-human intelligence is going to teleport a plane, right? So all the same scenarios and narratives are still at play. It just changes the weight in terms of which narrative is most likely. So now I'm more of the, under the opinion that if this is our reverse engineered technology, then the US government had reacted to this plane. They realized that trying to land in the water is going to just probably kill all the passengers anyway if they do that. The only way to save the plane is potentially deploy this system that we see of these orbs that are actually uh, kind of circling around the plane, and the plane is the center of the mass as these orbs are circling around it. And then we remember the zap that we see from the thermal is a cold dark event. We're calling it an intermediate black hole. I'm going to hypothesize here that this dark black hole is putting out the fire on the plane. Whatever's happening to it, where it's going the byproduct of that is that fire is going to go out. If it does, it could potentially save the plane, right? So go ahead. No, I like
0: that. I like that spin on it, right? Like uh, it, were, it wasn't trying to take the group out. Now, this this does make the question, right? What we're looking at here, if it is indeed technology is super advanced, um, these, these orbs, these spheres, you said that they might not even be visible in, in the visible spectrum. Like it might've only shown up on this IR camera system, do you still believe that?
1: I think it's uh, indeterminate at this point. right? Because KT missed out on the last second and we can see that this orbs come in at the last minute, right? and this all happens within 30 seconds of the orbs getting in formation on the plane, it's really hard to determine whether or not we can really see them. But I would say at this point that it's very likely these aren't like metallic circular orbs that we're seeing here of pu- full mass. I mean, there's probably still potentially some little mass there, but it's probably mostly energy of what we're seeing here, which is pretty unusual. But still, the way that I look at this is that even if this is somehow us, United States technology, there is no effing way we've naturally gotten this far in 2014, where we're seeing superconductivity at play. We're seeing probably um, some type of AI that's actually doing this Kind of computer program to get this formation. Oh yeah, that's automate exactly that's perfect, there's right? Not three dudes trying. Yeah, to try,
0: there's not three blue guys <laughs> <out there laughs> their heads hit that.
1: Fly that around, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like to me, it's like even if this is our technology, this proves that there's a reverse engineering program that's been going on for a long time before 2014, right? Ashton, are you
0: familiar with Patrick Jackson and his theories?
1: So people have linked me to him like a lot. You know, I've been trying to catch up on the UFO community space, who the main players are these last few weeks. And, I've had a lot of names pinged to me. I've tried to follow like all of them, just in case any of them want to, you know, get in touch with me. So, if you if you want to get me and the viewers up to or the listeners up to speed, yeah. So, I...
0: so Patrick Jackson, um, I'm, I don't want to say where he's from. I don't really know, but he um, came into Spaces one time and we had a great discussion about his theory, which uh, stems around a lot of evidence about these orbs, these spheres. They're metallic and they fly in formation. He, he's caught them a lot on UFO footage and UFO f- photography that I don't think a lot of people have ever caught. Gary Nolan um, was kind of taken by this idea and really put some oomph behind it. it was like, yeah, this is interesting. It's kind of like that gorilla that you see when you're supposed to be counting the the basketball that gets passed back and forth in that video and a gorilla walks by and no one really sees it because they're counting the basketball passes. It's, it's kind of like that. Like we all saw these UFO clips but no one really noticed that flying around them were these three metallic orbs, or three dots, essentially, from from far enough away. But uh, yeah, he has this really extensive theory about these, these this formation. And there's a fourth one that he says is usually around kind of directing these other three. Um, they have different sizes. I think he calls them type one, type two, type three. Um, they have a whole nature about them. But his theory, essentially, is that they are a type of security system that was left here by a previous intelligence or technology or something. And when I look at your video in this case on your video, when I look at this video and the case you presented, and I hear your theory even I see a, a kind of a crossover where it to me, what looks like is happening now that we include the lithium ion battery leak in all this fire business, is that, you know, because according to, to Patrick Jackson, again, I'm not saying his theory is correct. I'm just saying if I were to cross these things over, if there was an overlay there. um, Patrick Jackson says that, like, they essentially, they are looking for things that do not belong here. They are looking for the security system that's in play is looking for objects that are invasive. And they surround the object and they take it out. And there's all kinds of examples of it, he says. So uh, when I look at this airplane situation, and I know that now it's been making weird maneuvers, right because it's in an emergency emergency situation and it has a weird uh read on it and it's glowing orange which is kind of a characteristic of some of these other ufos and, and other things uh so yeah that now this thing shows up you know in this when it after or in the middle of one of these maneuvers like what is this it seems to behave in the way that patrick jackson has highlighted and this is new stuff too i don't patrick jackson i don't think he's ever talked about this in age 30 so <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the behavior is the same, kind of like maybe the the way that the reason that they're targeted, the strange um, situation on board, which produced a, a completely different read on it, you know, kind of a plasma sheath around the airplane. That's kind of interesting. You know, I'm, again, I don't know yeah. if, they're, if, if it's uh, highly accurate, but it's so interesting here. We have two cases of these orb theories.
1: Yeah, to me, it's like these orbs too. You know, we've seen so many orbs in the UFO zeitgeist in the last five, ten years. You know, it's just it's too much a coincidence, right? Like, so even if this isn't non-human intelligence directly, it's like clearly whatever has been reverse engineered here is based on those types of systems. What we might see from a non-human intelligence that is either already here before. Um, you know, if you believe in the ultra-terrestrial theory, which is the idea that you know there is uh, some other you know, life, how, whatever it is, uh, artificial, you know, organic, et cetera, that's been on this planet for a long time, or that they're visiting us, that somehow we have been seeing these and we've reverse engineered to the point where we've been able to create, you know, what we see is almost like our own version of them. Right. Um, And so no matter how you look at it, I think it's
0: pretty exceptional. Absolutely. Too early to really say what and how, but we're looking at it right uh, to take these videos at face value is to kind of try to process something that looks impossible. Um, but as much as I want to say, Hey, this shit looks fake or whatever. There's no way. The reason why I'm saying those things at first when I saw this, cause it was unbelievable. But yeah, as a videographer, as a video editor, as a special effects, like, you know, novice, and I've had someone in the industry for, for 10 years, I know like what would be possible from your home computer at what rate and what speed and yeah, a lot of this stuff just checks out as kind of like, wow, this is a lot of insider information.
1: Yeah. And real quick, on one other last thing I want to talk, and then we can you know, take questions or whatever you want to do here um, is the leaker, right? So I've been writing about this person, Agent 370, and trying to look into the intent of everything they leaked. And some of the main facts that I've kind of concluded is that the person who leaked this is not a spy. They weren't somebody who was trying to blow up the US government's classified systems. So and the reason for that is that they crop out like all the stuff, all the assets in the satellite video, we don't even see the drone in the satellite video. There's probably other assets that are also cropped out in that satellite video. There's no HUD data anywhere, which tells me they're not trying to leak and damage the US government's classified systems, right? Even though this does clearly damage it. To me, it feels like someone had the same reaction you did, which is you watch this and you think this is unbelievable, right? And then you realize, holy shit, it's real. I've got to let the world know what really happened in this plane, right? There's 220 people whose families are never going to know the truth because this is going to be classified. And so you think about it and you think that this person isn't a spy. This person is a patriot that just wants to do the right thing. And what I found out, I went through and looked for weeks trying to figure out, you know, everybody who's been charged with espionage or retention of classified documents. And I looked up like the Chelsea Mannings of the world and all these people that are these high profile cases, because I realized that when I dug into it, there isn't a way to hide this information if they charge somebody. If they're an American citizen, you can't really hide it. At least I don't think so in terms of the charges. It has to be out there somehow. So then what are they going to do? They're going to obfuscate what the person was charged with, right? And I found a person who fit the profile to a T. And that person is Lieutenant Commander Edward C. Lynn, who was arrested in September of 2015. Um, And they basically tried to run a sting on this person. They tried to throw the book at him. They charged him with several counts of espionage, even though they were not able to prove that he actually had any contacts with any foreign countries. They tried to give him life in prison, okay? So they were throwing the book at him. They even tried to put some bullshit charges like prostitution on there. Why why are they trying to charge a guy with prostitution that they're going to get with espionage, right? It just seems like they're trying to vilify him at that point. Now, let me just quickly run through some of the information about him. He was a naval flight officer with experience in signals intelligence, SIGINT, aboard the U.S. Navy Lockheed Martin EP-3E ares II reconnaissance aircraft. He had charges that resulted in life sentence. It was the first major incident of espionage being charged by an active duty member since the end of the Cold War. So this was very serious charges that they threw on this guy that they hadn't thrown at anyone in decades. The charge sheet is heavily redacted. The reason why you would redact the charge sheet is because there's going to be clues in there that are going to tie it to the videos, right? If you see on there that, oh, this was leaked March 12, 2014, and you see that on the charge sheet, you're going to know right away that whatever he did is linked to MH370, right? And the reason why he's arrested in September of 2015 is because they don't get around to arresting these people right away. They actually tried to run a sting operation on him in August of 2015, but they were trying to prove that he was a spy. They even set him up. And had some woman basically like honeypot him and try to convince him. And he he told her some information about it. And that was, you know, part of the thing that hurt, but they didn't, they weren't able to prove that it was espionage. He had a high level, he had a top secret clearance and access to the highly compartmentalized information. He worked on this uh, special projects squadron um, that is super top secret, and it's called the airborne signals exploitation squadron, special projects squadron two. He knew some of the Navy's most top secret uh, top secrets, as well as the Navy's black program portfolio. So, if this is our if this is our technology, he had access to know about that information. His knowledge, they claim, could be extremely useful to potential U.S. adversaries. And keep in mind, if these videos are real, that technology is real. By leaking these, he's telling China, Russia, et cetera, that we have this kind of technology. His last duty was from February 2014 where he was supposed to end in March 2016. So he was actually on this special project squadron at the time when MH370 happened. Um, In addition to that, he was, uh, one of the things that he was caught with, and I'm looking here to try to find it on my list, is that two flight manifests from a search and rescue operation. Can you guys think of any other search and rescue operations between 2014 and 2015? The only one that I can think of as big was MH370. Despite there being no evidence that he exchanged uh, any information with China or or Taiwan, they still tried to get him with espionage. So in the end, what happens to this guy? He ends up pleading to lesser charges. So he pleads to the things that he was uh, that happened. No two charges of releasing classified information or you know incorrect retention of these classified information. But he doesn't get any of the other stuff. Doesn't get the espionage. So instead of getting a life sentence, he gets sentenced to nine years with three years that were suspended and credit for 646 days of, of served time. What that means is they did not let this guy out of prison. They put him in prison while everything was going on and made him stay there so he couldn't talk to anybody. And then they convinced him that whatever he did was wrong and hurt the government, made him do that plea deal where he could probably never talk to anyone ever again about this because if he breaks that plea deal, he'll go back to prison. So he ended up still getting... You know, if you look up the total time, probably between six and nine years spent in prison and discharged from the Navy and had the plea deal with him, never be able to talk about it. Now, his last statement was that I get physically ill when I think about the damage I could have caused with my actions. I'm exhausted and broken in spirit. The best thing I can do is serve as a cautionary tale to others. And this is what I want to tell him if he's out there listening. is Lieutenant Commander Edward Lynn. If you are Agent 370, you are not a traitor. You are a hero. And we salute you.
0: Ash and that is incredible research. I mean, the the breakdown of who this guy might be is almost undeniable. like this the suspicion that this has to be an inside kind of capture is important. and it really backs up the the nature of the videos that we see and the time in which they came out. Yeah, this is incredible. I'm really glad I had you up here, man, because I had no idea, you know what I mean, how deep this thing kind of went. And also how extensive your research is. I got a lot of respect for you, bro. So we got some hands in the room. You down for some questions? Let's do it. All right. So first, foremost, co-host Red, go ahead. And from there, we'll
3: figure it out. How's everyone doing? Uh, thanks, Ashton. It's been um, interesting to like go through a bunch of this stuff. Um, do you have a... Uh, is there like... Like from my own research, right? Because um, like the people are saying this is like anomalous and whatnot. Are there some good, like, um, standard ocean crashes or something that I should, like, that I can compare it to, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, because uh, I just want to, like, see uh, just kind of, like, how it should look, you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: so there's not really anything comparable. So there are, of course, other flights that have gone missing, you know, like one of the ones might be AF447 Air France, Um I think that was like 2009 they went missing and that was another odd one, but I think they did end up flying black boxes on that. The important part about this is they didn't find the official search found nothing, nothing at all. No black boxes, not a single piece of the debris. The couple pieces of the debris that they found actually washed up over a year later on the reunion islands in South Africa. Now, keep in mind if this plane was on fire, those pieces of debris might actually be from MH370 as it was quote unquote disintegrating. One thing I didn't mention is that there was an intercepted communication from China, only reported in Chinese news, which tells you that whatever it was was classified in the United States, that claimed to be an intercepted communication from MH370 that said that the pilot was attempting an emergency landing and that the plane was disintegrating, which again is consistent with everything that we know at this point as well. So the part about finding those parts of debris there and that fire suppression device in the Maldives is gonna be consistent with what we have. What's not consistent is that this plane did not crash in the South or did not crash in the ocean, period. And the reason why we know that, there's like three different hydrophones that should have caught the acoustic sound waves of hitting the water. Now, when the Titan sub popped, the Navy heard the Titan sub pop. This was just less than a year ago. Didn't say anything for five days, let everybody believe that these people were at the bottom of the ocean with the oxygen running out. That's the same system that would have heard MH370. There were several radar systems that should have seen it if it went to the South Indian Ocean as well. But the hydrophones are the biggest clue that tells us this plane did not crash into the ocean. There's actually more corroborating evidence. 19 of the family members of the victims claim they were able to call the cell phones of the passengers, which is impossible.
3: Yeah, that's crazy. And I don't,
1: yeah, and I don't care what they try to say in terms of on TV, the experts claiming, oh, well, this is possible. Sure, go ahead. Let's just test it out right now, right? I'm gonna turn my phone off and you call me. You tell me if it rings, right? And then let's do that 19 different times on
3: 19 different passengers. It's just not possible. Things so and then real quick there's that mm-hmm. like 2018 thing i saw come up when i was like researching is there is that legit you think or no that like random like a uh, message that was kind of like went viral uh, i don't stuff? think that's legit
1: but honestly um i haven't found yeah, any incredible I'm- evidence for it and that's part of the thing too is that there's so much like there's a lot of disinformation out there and they've tried to throw a lot of stuff out there like this the planes in cambodia or whatever and you look at it and it's like it, it breaks down upon any level of scrutiny, like the plane is over some trees, it's not a 777, you know, it's the, the Google Earth images from like 2018, it's like nothing makes any sense on that. You see this other stuff too, as we've been reporting on, oh, this barnacles will tell us more about where it went. Uh, that doesn't make any sense. Like the, where they searched is where the plane would have run out of gas. There's nowhere else for this plane to go. They searched everywhere, right? And where they claim this plane crashes on an active shipping route too. No one claims to have seen the plane down there, even on an active shipping route. They found no debris down there either. So there's just literally no chance this plane crashed into the South Indian Ocean. Good questions, though.
4: Thank you, Ashton. I think uh, Old Vet is up. Old Vet. Not a question, but I'll say, what's that, Toop? I'll say that the videos are real, and I'll tell you the reason they're real. I actually came on this case, I started about six and a half months ago. I started working crash retrievals, and I got tips. And the tips were actually basically... The book that Tom DeLong writes, The Shadow War, that's Black Rock and Black Water, right? So I've been investigating. I've been going through all their the finances, and it where it led me was I didn't even know these videos existed. I didn't know any of this was going on. I didn't even know it was a conspiracy, right? So it leads me to the same place he's at, except this is the information that I know. For me, is the fact it was our reverse engineered tech. It was Blackwater and Black Rock. It was for China. If you go through, Eric Prince actually has colleges in China where he teaches their military. Both of them invest heavily in China. All the board members have companies within China. And as you look through, all these companies that they have lined up and board members and friends happen to be either working with the government and they're promoting projects such as ICBM revitalization. Guess what that takes? Semiconductors. Apparently that semiconductor was a hot freaking commodity on what it could do now One of the things I wanted to point out is those warps uh, That stuff in front of them. That's compressed. It's cold. So it's compressed freaking space-time, right? And it's just shooting around well if you spin those fast enough you can actually create some really funky I guess you'd say geometry and space-time portal For me, I don't think that's a fire what i'm picturing is let's say we have the montauk We have a portal set up like not a mobile one you need a power which would also point in the direction you need to go. And then the orbs being the thing that opened the door. So I think what we're seeing is the power and whatever that is, because I actually had a legacy source that was in the programs back in the day and no shit before I even knew these videos existed. He straight up told me, he goes, yeah, we can portal, but it, to do it to portal matter, you have to have a, to send from, something to send from and he explained it to me, something to receive. And he said they both have to have the same thing. So in my head, I'm picturing maybe what we did was took a phone and made it mobile. And I think, like I said, all of this is about those semiconductors. Now, here's where it gets really freaky. That happens in, what, 2014? I don't know when the bid went in to buy said company from Qualcomm. Qualcomm has a woman named Amy. Amy is also a board member for BlackRock. Qualcomm's owned by China. They put a bid in to buy the company. They canceled it in 2016 because they no longer needed it
1: yeah i think that i mean no matter how you look at it right there is so much sketchy stuff going on with this Freescale semiconductor situation from the scientists on board the plane to the technology and the microchips and the se- uh, that they were producing the semiconductors that they were producing that it may have actually just been tied to what we're actually seeing on the videos as well right uh, so one other thing I have, yeah, things, yeah,
4: but, yep. did you know I, I one of the things i just found there was actually around the time of that incident, BlackRock took a hit in their finances.
1: Yeah, so. that's interesting. I didn't know that, but that's good. That's good information. And they actually, this Freescale Semiconductors got sold right afterwards as well. I did a podcast with uh, Chris on the Not So Deep podcast, he actually worked for the company back then. It was a big deal that these guys went missing. Another clue as well is that. Um, You know, most companies have rules where you can only have so many people on board a single flight just for situations like this, where if the plane goes missing, they don't get wiped out, right? So it's really weird. They had all these important people on this plane, which, you know, you can take that with whatever narrative you want. You can say that, okay, this gives you motive for why you would save the plane, you know, why you might need these people, anything, which... All this stuff is just way too much evidence to be adding up, right? I am not creative enough to come up with this whole story without this being real, right? We've never seen anything this in-depth and detailed. Great questions and, and comments, Shane. Yeah,
0: Shane, thank you for being here, man. That was, again, incredible research. The um, The paper trail says a lot. It could be the, the thing that cracks this thing open. All right, we got some more questions. I think it's going to be Screen, then Cosmic, and then we'll get some new speakers up here.
5: What's going on, y'all? Yeah, this is a lot of cool stuff I've never heard before on, on this video. Um, I'm all for the sphere network and uh, portals and all that. Um, just my only pushback would be I've never personally seen the spheres move like that in everything that I've seen. Um, you know, not saying that they can't. I've just never seen it. So that that's one kind of flag for me. And then uh, I also put down in the comments where uh, this dude Richard Godfrey, he, he uh he says he basically tracked the flight the whole time, uh, basically uh, following the plane through, uh, like, radio waves, amateur radio waves that it was disrupting when it was flying through. And he, he shows that how it goes into a whole pattern and all this other stuff. So I'd be curious to see, uh, like, which portion. I guess it would have to be, like, at the very end, you know, where those the orbs uh, or the spheres would, would fit in. Um, but, yeah, I do think it's odd that I've never seen them move like that before i'm pretty versed on them um you know i've never even heard them describe moving in a formation like that like you know you, you see them in formations of three or triangles or whatever but they i don't ever hear them up, uh, like them spinning like that like rotating mm-hmm. which is interesting
1: yeah and that's part of the reason why i think that this is our reverse engineer technology because i've seen a lot of ufo videos too and i've never seen i mean you see the black triangles though for sure right and that and some people argue that the black triangle is not necessarily you know, an actual physical triangle, but actually those three orbs are like creating this type of effect, but never with this pattern like this. And I've actually, people have been messaging me on various platforms, people that I think are probably scientists that don't want to be, say who they are, what they have, what have you. But there seems to be some pretty specific reasons why it's doing what it's doing. The center of mass is the plane on there. so. I think the the biggest for me evidence is that they're doing some kind of tracking of the plane here. They're trying to get information to prepare for whatever they're doing with this intermediate black hole that comes after it. Now, of course, it doesn't necessarily mean it's not non-human intelligence, but because again, like you, I had the same reaction. When I first saw it, the ontological shock was so thick to me that I thought there's no way this can't be non-human intelligence. It's just so unusual looking. But the more you dig into the science around it, you realize that it seems like they're actually inducing this intermediate black hole. And in the moment before the zap, I'll put in another picture in there, the super slow-mo of the thermal, you can actually see them converge on the plane in the last frame. And you can see a gravitational lensing effect happen where the where the orbs get flattened right before this black hole appears and the plane disappears out of space-time, which is really wild to watch. So I'll put that in there a sec while we get some more questions.
3: Nice. And I just wanted to add real quick too, I'm pretty sure and NASA and Kirkpatrick gave some credence this year to like anomalous orbs right like that was the one thing he did at his hearing uh that was like that made the ufo people super happy yeah so he
6: just, showed the flying
5: orb or yeah. sphere i like to call those spheres because they're part of like the sphere network and the plasma types of orbs just to kind of like keep everybody on the same page
0: forbes Sport. <laughs> all right so uh up next we got cosmic uh consciousness what's up man
7: yo calling in from my cia headquarters um right that's actually a really cool thing I, I didn't even think about that the fact that like they did kind of stopped confirm orbs and uh the timing of this video so i'm not going to derail it this uh this space too much um i think it's really compelling i think ashton you've weaponized your uh your curiosity <laughs> very well um i think uh you know there, there's uh, things to be said about like how deep you went into this and obviously i have my you know my concerns just certain parts of the video and things like that but you know looking at it with an open mind and and frankly like listening to this is is very interesting and and again makes a very compelling case um two things one uh shane posted a uh, what was it like an image with uh, exit data, um, supposedly from Diego Garcia from some from one of the passengers? Phones. Oh, the guy hit the phone, in yeah, his yeah. Half? So, so re- really quick, so like, um, just if you guys can both touch on that and how that might fit into this theory, and two, and I really don't want to take away from this space, and I think it's it's almost a disservice, but uh, it, ha- it needs to be said. And I think Ashton, uh, you in particular, like it'll serve you in the future. Uh, there's a lot of screenshots. You know, going around basically people who disagree with your narrative, get threatened in DMs. You tell them to tread lightly, you expose them, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I think that's pretty fucked up. And I think it takes away from the work you're doing. And ultimately, like, you know, like just your, your stuff is, you go pretty in depth. And you don't need to do that. So uh, there's people in this room right now that have received messages from you. There's uh, people that I know that received messages from you just for not agreeing with the narrative. Again, I don't think you need to do that. I think you're doing a really good job with what you're doing right now. Uh, speaks for itself so just wanted to point that out and uh not derail the conversation too much but um the diego darcia thing mm-hmm. um if you two can can work that out i think that's a really interesting puzzle piece
4: I'll, let me say real quick i just because i put po- I, I know i posted it but i do that a lot for you guys just to have all the information i think that's bullshit i think china so the reason i'm going to say that is both saudi arabia and china both had plays on freescale on those patents right so think about that. So I, I think China, and I, the thing that throws me off about that now, all that sounds good, the the Diego uh, Garcia, but if you're gonna actually real quick, I guess do a voice text, and you got to do it as quick as you can, you're probably gonna leave off the fact that you stuck the phone in your ass. Extra words, if anything, right? It just throws me off that he had to say that I got my phone because I hit it in my ass. You had to. Say, I mean, no one would throw that in there. Hey. The only reason I have this, I hit it in my ass. That throws me off. I threw it there because I thought it was funny. I think a lot of people kind of thought it was a little more than what it was. And I, I, I'm i going to say China just because, look, if you take Sentient, JAD2C, all the different programs, everything from this point on, the government's AI initiative, all the interconnect. So the government has something called the Internet of Killing Things, right? JAD2C. That's the stuff we were talking about earlier. Do the tracking and shit, that warfield monitoring. All of that. You have, uh, I think his name's Kohler, an ex-general, of course, who used to work in there, promoting ICBM revitalization, semiconductors. I'm talking trillions. We think billions. You're talking, they, they project out 25, 30 years. All of Blackwater's, I think it's called Future Tech Profile Shares, all of them are semiconductor companies. And all of them are also AI, NVIDIA, things like that. Every one of those, pretty much everything from this point on takes semiconductors, and theirs were special. So if you take the fact that BlackRock was, would not only be making the bad boys semiconductors, a handful of their aerospace defense companies are also taking those. So it's just hand over. They're feeding themselves money. And I'm, I'm, the thing that I'm surest about is this. We have reverse neater tech. It was us, and it was Blackwater and BlackRock. The rest... I'm still like China and stuff like that I'm still working mm-hmm. towards. That's the stuff I'm sure of because, again, I've had multiple sources kind of help me get to that. And Before I knew the videos were real, I didn't even know they existed. I was already – these guys had it. They were doing stupid shit with it. I was chasing the Shadow War, didn't know this was the Shadow War, so that's what I will leave you with.
1: Yeah, so let me address a couple of the points there. Because, yeah, first of all, I don't really care where the plane went, right? And in fact, I'm probably going to pull away a lot from the Diego Garcia stuff, even though I, if I was going to bet my own money there. That's 100% where I would put my money because um, I'm, I'm hearing that this might be part of what would be getting us censored relative to everything else. Uh, just because it's a, it's a really highly classified military uh, base, right? At the end of the day, I'm just trying to prove this is MA 370. This plane's getting zapped somewhere, right? And I'll leave everybody else to figure out the narratives after that, once we've all agreed that, you know, the orbs are real, the zap is real and all that stuff. Um, with respect to the question, the thing that was brought up about, you know, being rude to people and things like that. Um, I do want to apologize for anyone that I have been rude to that is an honest person that is just, you know, incredulous about the situation. For, I just want to give my perspective on it is that I know these videos are real. So I'm looking out there to figure out who is going to come lie about them. And I also know that they come with a very real disinformation campaign. As you guys can see just from the messages, comments, the hate that I've been getting, the censorship on Reddit, that there's a real disinformation campaign out there. And I don't know who's on what side, right? So if you want to avoid me, you know, coming, coming going out against you, whatever, don't act like one of those people, right? And that will prevent the problem entirely, Okay. So if you're, if, so, if so, and I don't mean you people, but anyone who's listening to this and the, the recording, you know, if you're so offended by this that you feel the you need to attack me, I'm gonna look at that with suspicion, right? Because I don't know who's out there who is claiming to be for disclosure, who is working with the government in secret. And I guarantee you that it's not just one person, but probably many people are, right? So that's the part, and I will pull back from attacking people. And the reason for that is that we've grown so large at this point that it can't be stopped anymore organically. And that's probably why they're changing their tactics to attacking me personally, is that my reach has gotten so big now from all of you people who are following, which I I love you and appreciate you, that they can't stop the information from getting out anymore, right? And so now I don't necessarily need to go after anybody's, any of these larger accounts. You'll notice the people that I was kind of going at were people that have larger followings, right? That might be people that are trying to convince people not to look at the videos. And I don't even need to do that anymore. If you look at how much, like, honestly, engagement we're getting on my post, it's like 10 times higher than people that have much larger followings than I do. Do you have tells metrics me... on that? Because, like, yeah, yeah, I feel like it's just
3: been just exponential.
1: Yeah, I've been looking at it. It's unbelievable. Like, if you just compare the size of how many, like, I've got 5,000 followers, and we're getting more engagements than people who have, like, 50,000 followers do. Okay, just to give you some perspective. I'm I'm pulling almost a million impressions per week now, just from the posts that I'm putting out there. Some of these posts are getting 30,000 views in a day. So it's a huge amount of impressions that we're getting out there. And that's part of the reason why anyone who's out there who is one of these agents who's lying about it, who might be pretending to be for disclosure, they're not gonna be able to pretend like they didn't know about these videos. And and now that I've destroyed the VFX debunk, they're not gonna be able to claim that, oh, I just thought it was the same as some video game from the nineties, right? So we are out there, and we are watching, and we are waiting for the people to lie about it. And then when we do, we are going to be able to know that they were lying about it. And that's all I'll say on that front. Now, uh, lastly, I think I just saw a, com- oh, um, yeah, I saw a comment real quick and that people mentioned, what, before we get some more questions, what was the cabin situation if there was a fire on board, right? And I think that the situation there is, is pretty dire. So if there was a fire on board, there might have actually been a depressurization event. And the masks and the gas, uh, the oxygen and the masks only last for like 20, 30 minutes maybe. So we've got a situation where the plane went dark and we get to our point where we see the zap is one hour and 20 minutes. It's a pretty narrow window. So I don't wanna give any families false hope in any way because I think that there's a very real possibility that you know people died on board this plane regardless of the situation. And maybe they're covering it up and saying it crashed in order to cover that up, right? But I do think there's a slim hope that there could have been some survivors. So i just want to point that out.
0: Right on, man. All right. Well, up next we got Michael Padilla. Thank you, Michael. Who
3: also, who also served, at Diego, served at Diego Garcia and had, Garcia. had a UFO sightings, there. UFO sightings there.
8: That's Padilla. I always um, mess that up. I always, I always always that up. I always <laughs> read it. I always read it. Yes, Ashton, I did serve on Diego Garcia. And you're right, if you wanted to hide something, that would be the best place to hide it. Uh, I often wonder, and I I hope you have too, of the drone uh, footage. Did that drone come out of Diego Garcia? Where else would it have come out of if it is an American drone, which I believe it was an American drone? Uh, I've often wondered about the amount of lithium batteries that were on that flight, which was never supposed to happen again, after you pointed out uh, many tragedies that have happened before. Uh, and I al- also uh, thought about what uh, Shane or Sean was talking about there about the. Uh, all these Chinese executives being on the same flight. It's, it's an oddity. Uh, another thing is uh, one of my incredible UFO sightings uh, was driving down to Albuquerque to the VA hospital where I saw a similar set of orbs flying around the plane before it landed at the Albuquerque International Kirtland slash uh, Kirtland Air Force Base and Sandia Laboratories. And I've offered wondering who was on that flight, that these yeah, yeah. UAPs would be circling this flight. But thank you, and thank you for the work you do. And like you, I, uh, I pray for those uh, family members that are still searching for answers.
1: Yes, yeah, sir. I want to thank you for your service, first of all. Um, I respect the military greatly, and so I appreciate your service in that. And with respect to your questions on the drone, um, it could have come from Diego Garcia, you know, like where it's stationed. Um, but I think that it would have to be much closer just because of the fact that the drone only flies about 175 miles an hour, which tells us that it would have to intercept the plane in order for it to get where we're at, which is why I think that probably where it came from was those exercises that happened there in Andaman Sea during that time period. But yes, it would make perfect sense that it was deployed from there or, you know, if you go to, uh, you know, it could be be pretty much anywhere, but, you know, that would make a lot of sense. And that, if you look at Diego Garcia, it's a very large military base that could easily hide a 777, as you mentioned. The lithium battery situation that you mentioned, I think is really important to look at is there's so many incidents. I was blown away when I started digging into, you know, okay, how many lithium battery burn situations were there on planes? there was like five between just like 2010 and 2013, 14. And then in 2015, the FAA issued a statement that they no longer are going to carry those lithium batteries in the passenger and uh, cargo bays of passenger planes. And if you've flown recently too, I think they actually say something about not having lithium batteries in your checked bags as well, which is just now I'm making this joke that I'm not I'm more afraid of lithium batteries in my cargo hold than I am of orbs teleporting my plane. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just wanted to point that out. Thank you again, sir.
3: And real quick, if you want to get rid really the conspiracy with it, uh, that's, uh, was it Cobra Gold is the name of those exercises that they hold in uh, the South Pacific with like Thailand and uh, the US and other countries to like make sure we're like ready for jungle combat, basically. Um, it was the third installment of that. I'm not saying it means anything, but when I saw that, I was just like, hmm, that's interesting.
0: All right, up next we got Emis and then we'll get over to Inked right after that.
9: Thanks, Tupa. Um, Great space. Good job, Ashton. Um, I don't want to switch gears too far away from like the technical stuff and the hard evidence, but I wanted to bring up something that I ran across a couple days ago. Um, It was an old blog post from a a woman who remote viewed um, MH370 a few days after it disappeared. And I found what she um, viewed really compelling. Um, And just a little piece of it was, um, she said, quote, I see this as some type of electrical slash magnetic situation, but I cannot visualize an explosion at this time. And then she wrote, I can't help but feel like this plane went into a different layer or dimension of our current existence. Um, And then she also mentions, the transition from a chaotic turbulent event into um she wrote there was then complete silence it is so quiet and calm there is no noise it is the ultimate peaceful feeling it's like floating so peacefully through the air after whatever event happened i just found it really compelling and i'm wondering have you seen that um is there more um anything else along those lines that you have come across in your research thanks
1: Yeah, so people have linked that to me several times. And as much as I find that compelling, you know, I'm trying to stick to the facts that we can ground, um, you know, with corroboration. Um, So as as much as I find it compelling, um, you know, that's why I haven't necessarily included it in my research is I want to make sure that everything that we are showing out there, and we have enough that, you know, even if that's extremely compelling, we don't even need that to prove it. So what I would say is that that can, these videos can, Opened the door to all sorts of things that were considered esoteric and, you know, potentially were called unscientific. And now we can say that no, this isn't necessarily unscientific. There may be some basis in reality for a lot of these things that are considered metaphysical, you know. And that and that's what I love about these videos is that no matter what you believe out there, there's something in here that these videos can corroborate for you. Which is another reason why I was very suspicious of anyone. Who might be against them, right? Because to me, it's like these open the door for, you know, really realizing that there's more to this world and reality, than we've been led to believe our whole lives. So I'll say that personally, that I'm not necessarily um, you know, a strong believer in remote viewing and those types of things. I just haven't got to that point in my life where I'm, you know, on board with that. But I don't want to take away from anyone else who does it. anyone else's beliefs, regardless of what they are. I'm not the kind of person that's going to go out there and tell someone that what they believe isn't real or not fake. And I'm suspicious of anyone who does that. Because why would you try to tear someone down? I don't go to other people's, you know, places and tell them what they believe isn't you know, um, isn't real, et cetera. So um, I appreciate your opinions and views and, and bringing that insight uh, to this investigation.
0: Oh, yeah, great question. Uh, let's go over to Inked.
2: Hey, thank you. Excellent, excellent space, Tupa Ashton. Excellent. Always great hearing with from you, working with you on this. Um, this has definitely been a cerebral cardio workout, um, much like I have not experienced before in my life. Um, just to speak on a few things, um, NXP is the company that bought, uh, freestyle semiconductors. What I thought was really interesting was that this company bought them, I believe in 2006, they acquired, um, freestyle uh their home base is in the netherlands but more so is the fact that the rothschilds own nxp i thought that was curious um diego garcia per your request ashton i hope that you can make my space tomorrow because i there is some weird weird stuff on there Mr. Padilla thank you for your service um, I don't know if things may have changed or may not have changed while you were there um, but just in looking at the commands and reading between the lines of the information that is not given about that site is really very bizarre and compelling um so i'm not trying to pimp myself out but as ashton requested i will be doing my space tomorrow on the ins and outs of diego garcia and one of the most bizarre conspiracy theories that i've ever heard to the point that it's so strange and given with just the general strangeness of the area itself it's almost like so strange you have to believe it um but i don't know what i think about it i just know what i've researched um i think at least it was if not or still is there thank you yeah
1: And I would say, yeah, I I plan on coming to listen. I can't promise, of course, because I just got, I'm very busy, but I do plan on listening for a little bit because I I think that, you know, you were on the last space we were in and a lot of the stuff that you were bringing up is really compelling. So I would say that if if you are listening and you are interested in the Diego Garcia aspect, you should listen to Ink Space tomorrow because I think she's done a lot of research. It's pretty clear. It's pretty in-depth as well. Um, I saw another comment that I wanted to address too that I think is really important is why not save other planes? Right. If you have this technology, I think we've kind of addressed that a little bit in this, you know, NXP free scale semiconductors, scientists on board, the intellectual property related to it, the amount of billions of dollars of, you know, technology that might be related to this company. I think, you know, it's like these are VIPs essentially in terms of why you might do this, but also, you know, realize that this is a pretty unique situation where. They had the assets in the area that were having this exercise if there was was an emergency event they had an hour and 20 minutes to respond to it the plane couldn't potentially land due to the fire and it couldn't land in the ocean because it would have crack, broken apart so it might have been a unique scenario where this was the perfect opportunity to deploy this type of technology in order to save the plane versus other scenarios where you wouldn't be able to react in time to save the plane because it crashes too quickly etc but those are good questions that we can't necessarily answer we need to get those from the U S government. And that's really my ultimate goal, right? Is that we want to get to the point where we get answers from the U S government and get it and like, get them to admit that yes, we were looking at an MH370 and tell us what the heck is going on here. Right. Cause we can only speculate and come up with these narratives, but we need them to tell us what, th- what is the reality.
0: Good point. Yeah. And everyone follow in pixie. If you haven't already, I can't wait for that space. It's going to be really cool. You definitely know your stuff. Um, uh, Let's get over to, we got Jump Room Mike in the space, and then we'll get back up to Michael Padilla right after that. UAP Mike, welcome to the space. Man. How you doing? Good. Thanks.
6: Uh, so I had a question for Ashton. Um, Ashton, are you familiar with what Project Serpo was?
1: Um, I Vaguely, you have to remind me a little bit in terms of just you know maybe tell us how you think it might link it together so
6: Project Serpo was I think it was a uh, emailed document that was circulated I think I want to say in the 90s uh, that purported to be some sort of official documentation that a bunch of uh, officers from various federal agencies were taken off planet and oh operate. yeah so th- again this is me just totally butchering a lot of these details but that's just like the gist of it. My concern here is that this is some sort of new age project Serpo in which they're convincingly able to recruit people to investigate this and connect things that are seemingly real and factual to something that is probably not an actual event that happened. Now, And I appreciate people going to details, but I feel like this is just a new age Serpo. So thank you, everyone.
0: Mike, would you mind um, kind of giving me some like one for one points on how this is similar to Serpo? Uh,
6: <clears throat> I mean the suggested possible dis- disappearance of you know people for years on end. I think that.
4: Do you mean like we're being given busy work that's not real, but it looks real, so it keeps us busy?
6: Um. Well, so all right. This really ties into the idea that in order to keep the real truth of the UFO, whatever, and the orbs, right? I'm not, I'm an orb believer, okay? Like those things, in order to keep, you can't keep those secrets secret. You need to invent mistruths uh, and distracting mistruths, right? And so I'm concerned that, you know, just much like I think Project Serpo was another attempt to distract from actual mistruths uh, that have some truth built into it, right? Uh, maybe this is another Project Serpo where there's truth oh. built into it, uh, but it's a massive misinformation and uh, effort.
1: So it's yeah. So I'm gonna let me go ahead and just tackle this one. Um, I'm 100 sure it's not a psyop in any way. Uh, the main evidence against that is this happened nine years ago. So if, if this had just happened and been released, then you might be able to make that argument. But it happened nine years ago, and they did disseminate. Right? If anything, they're still actively covering it up. You can just look at the comments and you can see that they're still trying to cover this up. Um the other thing is somebody went to prison potentially for this for 9 years. So kind of in, the, in it for the long con if uh you know you think that this is somehow related. But the most important piece is that reason why these videos are so compelling is that who is implicated in this. If you show this to the mass media, not just the people in this audience, but all the millions of people out there. The people like My parents, who will never believe in aliens or UFOs, no matter what, you know, they're never going to believe that this is some type of psyop. The first thing they're going to say is that the government is the one who disappeared this plane. It implicates the U.S. government. So it doesn't make any sense in terms of the narrative of what we see of the videos, because if that was the case, the only people who are going to get blamed is the U.S. government. No one is going to believe this is an alien invasion or that this is covering up from some deeper thing that's even bigger, right? So as much as I, people can believe whatever they want, uh I'm personally on their impression there's a 0% well, chance Well, maybe
6: they want people to believe they have that tech, you know what I mean? Like, could that also be...
4: Hey, Mike. Right? Can I help you out with this? I'll, I'll tell you that I agree with you. Lots of different in, info, but I'll say that before I got there, like I said, I sent the information. I'm going to do some humble bragging. Since my information that I had about the finances and stuff and what I thought was going on before I made it to the videos, and I got... Holy shit, your brain is insane. And then I made it to the videos, right? And that's what it was about. So I think you're right. There's a shitload of disinfo, Diego Garcia, maybe China, all these things we still have to figure out. Now, the ORBS thing, the reverse-engineered tech thing, that's easy for me. I, In my head, I knew they were doing stuff like this. I just didn't know it was that. But Project Serpo, man, how how sure are you that all of that isn't real, right? I mean, why would you send oh, no. uh, Richard Doge in there to get them not, both the fuck out of it backwards. and let there's something real?
6: Let's not take a step backwards. And
1: I'm going to mute everybody because I don't want to get sidetracked here, guys. So the reality here is that, you know, yes, there's disinformation out there. Let's not split hairs over what disinformation is out there in terms of, you know, of course, there is some out there. The focus here is what happened with MH370, right? And the disinformation related to MH370 is that this plane crashed in the South Indian Ocean that the pilot suicided the plane out there. And that is disinformation that's easily refutable. So with, the rest, with respect to the other stuff, guys, let's keep it for uh, another time.
6: I'd also disagree that there's literally zero. I don't think
8: you uh, asked uh, <clears throat> to answer uh, Inc.'s uh, question or statement about Diego Garcia. Oh, my, it's changed a whole bunch. Uh, Diego Garcia is a spy station. And it listens to any and all transmissions from China, Russia, India, Pakistan, all those countries there. Every word is spoken. If it's transmitted over airwaves, they know what's going on, but yeah, yeah. We, we built the a 10,000 foot runway. It was utilized, and Shane knows this very well, in uh, the Iraq War and Afghani War. They also built a shipping lane there, which is something that they said would never happen. Uh, The British said that it would never be used for war. Uh, There came a war that had to be fought, uh, in some people's eyes. And that was another reason for Diego Garcia. But you can't go there as a civilian. Uh, The only civilians I've ever visited are congressmen and women and uh, scientists and people that uh, have the great knowledge that have built the spy station that lives there. Uh, In the time that I was there, the receivers there were the size of a football field. It took three to five derricks to hold them up. That's how big they were with technology. I'm sure that they've got an array uh, like something down in Puerto Rico and other places in the world. Uh, listening is probably something that's become a lot easier. And I believe wholeheartedly that any and all information about Flight Three Seventy can be obtained and is contained mm-hmm. somewhere in Diego Garcia.
1: Yeah, Michael, you're bringing up really great points. So I want to address a few of them too. Which is that, and I think that you know, if you look at it, listen to Ink Space tomorrow, you'll probably get a lot more detail on that. But the Diego Garcia supposedly has radar that can scan 3,000 miles away, which essentially would allow it to track the plane all the way from when it took off to where it ultimately ends up with the zap. It also has hydrophones that should have detected the quote-unquote crash into the South Indian Ocean, which people got the data and it didn't detect those. So, you know, there is almost no way that the U.S. government wasn't tracking MH370. We've pretty much proven it. We've got a satellite looking at it. We've got Diego Garcia should have heard it hydrophones that should have heard it crash into the ocean. Um, there was tens of millions of dollars in construction projects that looked at that have gone into Diego Garcia um, and very little changes on the surface. As you mentioned, it's not open to civilian aircraft as well. I also reported that there was no departures for three days after the MH370. So lots of stuff that makes Diego's here very, very interesting. Um, and yeah, listen to Inc's uh, space you know, tomorrow if you want more on that. Uh, one quick comment. I'm not going to be able to stay for much longer, probably 10 or 15 minutes. I, I wanted to stay as long as I could tonight, but I've got to try to get some sleep. But um, So maybe a few more
0: questions. Sounds good. Let's do 10 minutes. Uh, then we'll do like a little outro. Sound good? All right. Yeah. Cool. And thanks again, Ashton. I mean, this, is, this has been an amazing space. Um, I think a lot of people have gotten a lot from this, and getting eyes on this case is important. It means that we need more scrutiny to it. You know what I mean? Maybe there's more information in this video than what's been found so far. And someone who hasn't seen the video yet can pick it out. So let's get more eyes on it. Uh, One way to do that is to definitely follow Ashton and uh, get down there. Retweet the space out like the space. It's recorded so you can pull it up any time. And then uh, definitely give this guy a follow. Give Panda a follow and uh, Ink to follow as well. Because she'll be talking about this stuff tomorrow. Uh, Can't wait to follow that up. So let's get over to Screen and any other questions pop up. we got about 10 more minutes, guys. Go ahead, Screen.
5: Awesome. I'll try to keep it uh, short and simple. Um, I'm coming at this, you know, more from the the sphere network side. And uh, they're usually, they seem to be attracted by uh, certain frequencies of like uh, atomic light or lightning or uh, certain things that uh, disturb the magnetic field in a certain way. Um, are, are we open to the fact that maybe the pattern, uh, the holding pattern that the plane was in could have been like creating its own vortex in that area and the orbs or the sphere showed up to uh, check out what was going on? Or are we certain that the orbs made
1: it uh, go to the other dimension? Yeah, that's a good question. Honestly, you know, again, it comes back to the part about the narratives, right? And part of the reason why I would say that you can tell that I'm not a disinformation agent of some sort is I'm not telling anyone necessarily what to think. I'm bringing the evidence out there and we're building the case and building the story, right? But even with all this evidence, there's still multiple possible narratives. And that's why there's a little bit of something for everyone. So if you are somebody who's more inclined to the non-human intelligence, UFO encounter type scenario, You know, then there's evidence of what what was in this cargo that was so unusual. Were they attracted to this cargo? Were they attracted to these lithium ion batteries that are a very rare light metal? You know, so you could definitely find uh, meaning in that as well. Now, my personal opinion, I'm going to be honest about what my opinion is, but I'm not telling what else to think is that. To me, the most evidence lines up with reverse engineered technology that, you know, I think that this was deployed in some way to save the people to put out the fire. But again, that's been evolving. And if you listen to my spaces, you'll understand that my opinion has evolved with the case as well. So I want to say that, yeah, you, you know, whatever you kind of find in meaning there, um, I don't want to take that away from you. And I hope that these videos kind of bring, you know, you kind of some closure for whatever your particular, um, you know, interests are.
0: Hell yeah! All right, well, we got UFO intros in here too. Go ahead, man.
10: Thanks, Tupa uh, Ashton. Really great space tonight. Um, so I guess going off what you said here in the past couple of minutes, if you were to, you you may not be be able to answer this, and I would get it if you can't. But if you were to ascribe like a position or a narrative that a PSYOP or someone trying to control the narrative, if you were to ascribe a position or a narrative to said people, what would that be related to this case, MH370? So that's a really, really good
1: question, right? The question is, what are the people that are trying to hide this? What What is their play? What's their angle, right? And I think it's pretty obvious. If you look at what's the biggest debunk that's out there, they're attacking the zap. Right, they're trying to make it so that they can admit to this without admitting to the technology. They want us to think that the technology that we see on here, the either non-human intelligence or this reverse-engineered technology, is somehow not real. So they can come out and they can say, "Okay, yeah, the videos are real, but this part's not. Obviously, ha ha, this is fake." Right, and I'm not going to let them do that. You know, so that's part of the reason as well why I've been so aggressive about you know conf- showing that that debunk is nonsense, that there's no chance whatsoever anything in these videos come from an obscure 2D 90s video game. No chance whatsoever. Um, So that's what they're attacking. And if you look at some of the people that are part of like the independent group and other people out there, they are watching what I'm reporting and they are trying to backstop the investigation. What I mean with that is that they're trying to pick any little part of it that they can attack to claim that, oh, this can't be true. So one thing they're saying is that, you know, Kate T's sighting is not reliable. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, after I've gotten, figured out that, oh, this it's because this fire happened, and that's the reason why the plane was glowing. Now, all of a sudden, her sighting is not credible, despite the fact that it's eight years old. she's talked on a forum about it. She had multiple blog posts to talk about the glowing plane. I've talked to her personally in the last few weeks, and she's corroborated that as well. They attacked the satellite because the satellite's dead on proof, and the leaker knew that too is that we're looking at stereoscopic videos, a literal 3D video that's as good as something you might see in a Marvel movie, right? Which shows that it's two satellites looking down. So they want to say, oh, well, the angle should change more or something like that, right? Which is, doesn't even take away from the videos overall. But essentially every single time they do, we just find something else that corroborates it further. We find out that the Aries plane isn't part of the SIGINT network that can build a, a, a video, a real-time video of a battlefield awareness which says that we don't even care necessarily that the satellite's moving fast. It could be that it's just sending the data about the position that it's seen down to another computer system that's building that battle field awareness map, right? So the beauty of the debunkers is they pretty much stopped trying to debunk things because all they were doing is authenticating the videos. Instead, now they're just trying to backstop the investigation and try to poke any holes in it that they can. And unfortunately, I've stacked the evidence so high that even if you poke hole in one or two little things, the evidence is just still too overwhelming. But great question.
7: Hey, Ashton, it's I, I really quick. I, I think you might be uh, making an enemy where there might not be any. Uh, that might be because this community has been taken for a ride so many times where even my natural inclination when I see something like this is to look for, okay, how is this fake? Right. And I think what you might be running up against is just a lot of disillusioned people who have had, you know, bet the house on either one video or another or a picture or something like that, only to find out way down the line that they've been taken for a ride. So it's just it's, it's just one thing to think about when dealing with this community. It's it's um, it's just something to keep in, in the back of your mind.
1: Yeah, no, uh, another great point. And I just saw my checkmark disappear, which is awesome. But um, I, I want to say that that's the reason why I'm going to stop holistically attacking anyone, right? Because I under, I, I've started to realize, and I wasn't part of this community before this, right? And I'm trying to get caught up to speed. But in general, you know, I realize that UFOlogy has been taken for a ride by so, so many times and by so many people that it's hard to trust when you see something like this because it seems like too good to be true, right? It felt too good to be true to me when watching it. Like, holy crap, we can just straight up prove this now. And that's why I want to assure you guys, that is not what I'm doing here for you. You know, what I want to do here for this community, and I think this is a point of unification, where we can get something that has never been considered true disclosure on our own timeline from us, not from people on TV that are talking about, oh, I'll give you this disclosure, just lead you on a little bit, wait till 2027, 2020, whatever, right? We have something in front of us here that is verifiable, that we don't need any of them. We can prove it and we can create get to a point where our community is so strong and so loud that it simply can't be ignored. And that's what my intention is here, is that I realize that if this is true, the government's never going to probably be able to admit it. The media is being controlled and not going to be able to talk about it, which I think you can pretty much tell based on the impressions at this point that that's already happening. So what do we do instead? We make it self-evident, meaning that people simply, like you just mentioned, the people that are disillusioned by it, Realize that the evidence is so strong that, wow, yes, this plane didn't crash into the ocean. The the official narratives are total nonsense. And then we can get to a point where we realize that, yeah, these videos are wholly true, and they're going to push disclosure forward like light years from where we are right now. It's going to destroy everybody's – yeah, go ahead.
10: Based on what you just said, uh, you you referred to we and us and um, the people. Who who is us? Who is we? So who's the people who – actually can decide what is real or not versus what's being fed to us
1: yeah the evidence right so this is the thing again is that in this community because it's not just me like i'm just a person who is investigating this right and there's five thousand more than five thousand people that have followed me in the last couple uh months and it's not because this is some type of it's because these people have been convinced by the evidence that what we're seeing here is real so again, I'm not asking anyone to believe me. When you see people on TV, they're asking you to believe them, right? They're asking you to believe that there's a, some type of secret craft somewhere buried somewhere. And if you just wait a little bit longer, they'll tell you the truth about it, right? But that'll never be verifiable. You'll never have any way to prove that that's true. You have to take them at their word. You don't have to take anything that I'm saying at my word. You can look at the actual evidence and realize that the evidence is true. And that's what can get us true disclosure. Right. So, again, great question.
11: Uh, hey, Ashton, I wanted to ask real quick. Um, so from the perspective of once the pilot said good night, all the way up until when there were flames coming out, as you were saying, plane turns orange. Did the plane try and veer off, you know, with this new evidence, did the plane ever try and veer off, get outside of communications? Was there any way for the plane, for them to try and signal that something was going on with, again, this newfound evidence?
1: Yeah, great question. So again, 1721 was the plane goes dark. I don't think that in our videos, we're seeing flames coming out of the plane. That's not why it's glowing orange. The thing about these lithium ion battery fires is they're very energetic events. So they probably were like trying to put it out. But it's the type of thing where, you know, those like candles that you blow out, they never go out. It's kind of like that, right? When you're getting to a point where you can't, you just can't get it out. And so it's just doing more and more damage. And once it becomes uncontained, now th- this, uh, you know, fire extinguishing gas is coming out throughout the entire plane. Now with respect to it flying then in this one hour and 20 minutes from when it goes dark, it goes to Penang, gets to our point. There are a couple things that have us indicate that if we do believe the radar data, this plane was changing altitudes. And one of the things that you might be doing there is trying to put out the fire, right? That might be going on the plane because if you go to a higher altitude, there's less oxygen. And now that can take away from some of the potential fire. Now, if oxygen was introduced onto the plane at 1721 that could have been the catalyst that caused this fire to just blow off and then you know make the plane go dark from destroying the electrical equipment so there is a little bit of evidence that they were trying to get some attention right and then if you believe that this plane made these altitude changes as well one of the things that pilots are supposed to do when they can't communicate is squawk which is they're supposed to change altitudes rapidly so that somebody who's looking at the radar goes something's wrong there that's the reason why they're not communicating with us so to your question there is a couple things that do indicate that but not necessary flight deviations they're flying directly to the closest airport that is like a clear shot where they don't have to go through a bunch of elevation changes and then they're going to this potential rendezvous point if they did get communication in the nicobar islands where we see our zap good question
11: but was there so you said the plane went dark when you mean dark like all power cut out or just comms normal dark just just a airplane.
1: so no yeah so nobody is communicating we don't know necessary communications been out but what happens is the ACAR systems turn it off. So, this is not that there's not being tracked on flight radar anymore. And um, it's not being tracked. I'm going to probably say this incorrectly, but I think it's primary radar uh, is not tracking anymore. And so, essentially, what you'll see from the reports is that Malaysia didn't know what the plane was, but they're tracking this blob on like this secondary radar, right? So, if you listen to like Jeff Wise's podcast, he goes into the depth about this a lot. And if you listen um, potentially to some pilots, we'll talk about the, the systems that are on board. What has to happen is like multiple uh, electronic power generators have to go out pretty much at the same time in order for all of this cascading effect for this plane to get to this dark quote-unquote point that we see where they can't even tell if it's Malaysian Airlines anymore. Keep in mind when Kate T sees the plane and it's glowing, there's no navigation lights on it, which also indicates potentially that it didn't have full power. She also saw two other planes that did have navigation lights on them. So this gives us some sense as well that whatever was happening with this plane is pretty pretty catastrophic to the point where we don't know if they were able to communicate except for that we did get that intercepted communication. So it seems like they could have been in communication but didn't have like electronic systems that
11: were active. Okay. Yeah, just trying to see if the UFO knocked out power in it. Thanks.
0: Great question, man. All right, up next, we got Logan. And
3: then probably ended, I think
4: cool that should do it hey um ashton hey uh, man you're a legend bro uh yeah you're just doing some serious uh, hard work here uh it's really uh inspirational but uh i just wanted to um uh i don't I, you might have said this already but like with the whole um uh you know the lithium battery fire was that like a, a thing that happened um intentionally like like nefariously or was that just kind of like an accident i wasn't sure if you said that already
1: Thanks. Yeah. And again, not really sure. So that's the thing too, is that even though we've got this like pretty clear flight pa- plan, we've got this pretty clear idea that there was an emergency event that happened. And to the last person's question as well, still don't know the catalyst, right? So was it that oxygen was introduced and there was a fire already going, but it wasn't enough to trigger the fire alarms yet? And then it kind of just the oxygen introduced and then everything went out at once? Or did something actually happen still at 1721? Right? Was there some type of interference that happened there and to the point that was mentioned, you know, some jamming, right? So if the fire can't take out everything all at once, maybe the plane was still jammed. Maybe the the AWACS that were there still did take it or maybe it still was some type of hijacking scenario, hybrid scenario of these narratives. So I'm not ruling any of that stuff out at this point. And that's a very important thing to close on probably is that all the narratives are still at play. The evidence is just starting to paint a clearer and clearer picture of what really happened. And I personally believe that we'll never have a perfectly clear picture until the U.S. government says something about it, and then that's the part where we'll have to take all this evidence, this huge body of evidence that we've built up, and try to figure out, okay, are they still lying, or is what they say fit in with what we've kind of, you know, kind of ev- um, shown and proven? Good
0: question. Ashton? Red, it's time to wrap this up. Ashton, I can't thank you enough for popping in here, man, uh, being open to these questions and also just outlining this project and this theory and bringing this to everybody's attention. We all have our own discernment. We can all take a look at this. And the idea here and what I admire is that, Ashton, you're presenting the evidence and you're begging people just to look at it. People can come to terms with what they want to believe and what they think and what they see. Uh, We all have our own backgrounds to do it and our own eyes to do it too. So don't let anybody tell you what this is. Take a look at it for yourself, share with friends, you know what I mean? And uh, if you want to see someone who's done a ton of research on it and have that in your timeline, follow Ashton. Uh, You're on the case, Ashton. So thanks again, man. This has been really eye-opening for me as someone who was kind of really kind of just kind of not knowing exactly what this case was about. Um, So yeah, thanks for being available and for uh, coming here, man. I appreciate you.
3: Yeah, Glad to hear about uh, the the not trying to like get uh, super negative and stuff you know this field's so full of negativity it could uh, really just make things like turn bad you know so that's nice to hear. Yeah and I'm going to try to be a better person what I would
1: say too is that don't come to my threads and be negative to me and about anyone else in this community you know because if you do that I'm just going to block people at this point. Reality is we are getting so large we don't need people who are trolls, right? A lot of people want to think that their opinion is so important that they feel like they have to shoot people down, right? That is not what I want. That's the thing that I dislike the most about what I've seen from the UFO community in general is how everyone feels like only their, their belief system can be the true thing and everybody else's can't let's get, let's dispel that, right? This, these videos have enough for anyone to believe necessarily what they want and let's not not attack each other, but let's push forward on our own beliefs. And look for the evidence that will support what we, you know, believe for ourselves. So thank you guys very much. I
0: appreciate it. Well said, man. Well said. Well, guys, that's going to wrap the show up. Uh, This is recorded. So you guys can call back to it anytime. And uh, yeah, we'll have more spaces like this. If you guys liked what you heard, then just give me a follow too. Give Red a follow if you want some badass UFO documentaries and research. Until next time, guys.